All right, you all, you need to come and listen to The Sci-Files. They do have other shows, but The Sci-Files, that's the one you want to hear. We are on the Anchor Media platform, and you can catch us on Apple Podcast, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcast, and Spotify. So again, this is Axel, The Sci-Files. Sunday, 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 The Sci-Files. Casket Cast, only on Rotten Corpse Radio. Uh, you can find us here at RottenCorpseRadio.com or Anchor.fm forward slash Rotten Corpse Radio. And with me today, I have a very exciting guest. Uh, he is the author of many different projects, including uh, Hex and Hammers and The Great Divide. And it was a joy to talk to over at the uh, Rose City Comic Con this year. Uh, I have with us uh, Ben Fisher. Welcome to oh, the hello. show. Thanks. All right. So, yeah. So, how was your con? I I didn't get a chance to catch up with you the rest of the week. It was fun. I, Rose City is a good one. That's uh, I do cons all over the place, and there's two or three that are always kind of standouts, and Rose City is one of them right there. And for me, it's really local, right? So, I just I yeah. pack my stuff and hike over there, which is especially <laughs> nice. Have to get rid of like all those hard covers you've been trying to get rid of, and you don't want to apply. Yeah, you definitely don't want to take those back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that I think throughout the very last day that I ran across like table after table of people just trying to shill their stuff, and that and for good reason too. I mean, they had like a lot of it was like collector's edition, like hardcover stuff, and uh, it was really cool. A lot of it was signed, and you know, very tempting, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, I'm just trying to check out to see what's here. Didn't yeah. Wanna... Didn't want to get too flooded, but <laughs> it's it's a it's a weird this convention's especially weird too because so many of the comic pros are local, so wow. it, it, it's a, it's sort of you are hanging out with those same folks on the weekday and sort of see them again on the weekend at just across the table. It's a kind of a weird experience as opposed to cons that are further out that it's a sort of a bunch of faces you're not used to seeing before. Rose City, it's the you see those we have. Uh, like monthly meetups and that sort of thing, and so you just yeah. you're seeing the same folks, which is kind of fun. Wow, and it's uh, and I have to say that uh, yeah, there were a lot of like people I didn't even realize were like that local. You know, oh, yeah. shocked. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, a perfect example of a guy that we we, we actually were just trying to figure out the to get together for lunch. And then you saw him at the con. It was like, well, this was just sort of a <laughs> this was an even easier way to see us. So hi. But it's it's that time under people who are local. Well, if you can get away from your, uh, you know, from your booth long enough to go grab a cup of coffee or something somewhere. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, the con was a lot. And those compared to last year, I, and I don't know if you attended Rose City last year or not, um, was way busier. <laughs> so yeah, 
Yeah, I've, I've been doing it for – I've only been in Portland for about four years, and I've done Rose City, I think, three, because it's a, still a really new con. I think it's only been around like four years or so, maybe yeah. five. Um, so, but uh, it's – even in the short period of time I've been going, it feels like an exponential growth year after year. It's just a lot, a lot of folks coming in. Yeah, that was uh, – I mean, me personally, like from last year – I remember last year they had most everything on the floor in, you know, in Hall C – and this year, God, like a lot of it got pushed out. Um, even even a lot of the panel rooms were like clear across the other side of the complex. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I know for a lot of fans, especially like repeat, you know, repeat people uh, who were coming back from the year prior, must have been like super annoyed by all the travel <laughs> you have to do back and forth because you want to you want to see and you want to meet all these people, and it's almost impossible, next to impossible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I do like though they've they've done a pretty good job of keeping it fairly comics centric. I mean, they of course you have other forms of entertainment there too, but yeah. as opposed to say some of the Wizard Worlds, which are fun in their own way, I suppose. But you know, there's there's much about the latest WWE match as they are about what's going on in comics or novels. Yeah, or so, um, you know, which is it's fine. But if I'm there as I was there this past weekend, you know, mostly selling comic books I'm writing, um, it, you know, I sort of prefer it to be themed that direction yeah and 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 honesty um if it has something to do with wrestling it'd be nice if it was geared towards a comic like what um jim Cornette's currently working on right now with uh yeah yeah and some of some of the other guys i met last year who uh did like weird blends of like horror wrestling and (laughs) it was almost like right it was almost like the perfect blend kind of like what we like to talk about here on our show so yeah, yeah, and I was checking out your booth over the weekend, and a lot of things caught my eye immediately. The first thing I noticed it was like it, it was probably I think a part of your background banner, wasn't it? Um, there was, I think, an ad for the Great Divide. Yep, and it featured a character that was very reminiscent to the Tall Man uh, yes. from Phantasm. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so the the Great Divide is a series that I write and created for Dynamite Comics. It's a it's sort of post-apocalypse kind of a scenario where everybody wakes up one morning to discover that any skin contact kills you. So if you if you touch somebody, one of you will live, one of you will die. You won't know until you touch. Um, there's a few other weird things that are going on, as if that's not weird enough. Uh, one yeah. of those things being that you tend to uh, absorb the consciousness of the person you touch. So the, the victim who dies kind of gets sucked into your head, which for most people drives you insane, and that's the end of that. Um, yeah. Some people are able to kind of handle it. Um, and the, the character you're talking about um, in the story is the main antagonist of the first volume, or one of the main antagonists of the first volume. He, Before the divide happened, um, he was a failed self-help novelist, after the divide, he realized that when he touched people, he tended to survive. Um, he doesn't yeah. know why he tends to be good at it, but he is. And it also doesn't drive him crazy when he absorbs people into his head. He just sort of shoves them in the background and makes them his friends. And so he has come to essentially be a serial killer in the post-apocalypse landscape, just collecting friends along the way. So in my script, uh, when I had first sent it to Adam Markowitz, the artist who does an amazing job on that book, yeah. when I sent him the script, the, uh, the, the, the first 
section for him said that you know, this character is the tall man meets Willie Loman from Death of a Salesman. That's, yeah. that's this guy's pitch. <laughs> and that's really what he is. He's, he's this really creepy, horrific guy who's really just also kind of a sad sack. He, he just He's just kind of a loser who happens to be a really effective serial killer in this new apocalypse landscape. Yeah, and I, I mean, and looking at a lot of the covers, too, and for uh, fans of comics, especially horror comics, uh, and I am definitely getting myself the first volume just because. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you'll notice that most of the covers are uh, kind of geared towards, uh, you know, different themes, uh, like, like in that first volume, there's a lot, I, like the imagery that you're seeing just right off the bat, you know, kind of. I almost think Scream's kind of Japanese manga a little bit, um, just, yeah. just based on the cover, you know. There, there's a there's a few different themes for the for the various covers, and the the first issue actually had a couple different variants, and the one of the ones you're, you're I suspect you're thinking of, it's a it's a really pretty cover of a character sort of holding his head and blood coming yeah. out of his eyes and mouth. And that, that cover um, was done by a good buddy of mine who is local uh, named Mike Henderson. Uh, we've done two or three books together, including Hex and Hammers that you mentioned before. He uh, he currently draws for Marvel. He's doing Dead Man Logan. He just finished a Daredevil run. Uh, so he did that cover for me. Um, and you're right, it does sort of have a kind of a, a Japanese, I think, influence a little bit. Yeah. Um, one, one kind of fun twist, it's worth thinking, you probably didn't see it at the table because I, I had sold out of most of them, I think, by the time you got there. For each issue, the single issues, floppies of the Great Divide, they each had a variant cover that was an homage, um, a remade homage to a famous horror movie poster. Yeah, and um, I saw a couple of those. Yeah. So there, and there's some, and I had a few of them were done by guest artists, and there were some really fun ones of you know the main characters posing as Penhead or from Friday the Thirteenth, or just uh, the first one was a really fun uh, gender swapped Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, that was the, actually that was the one that caught my eye the most. It was like for or for issue one, and then yeah. uh, I think issue two had like Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. looked pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so that was that was a lot of fun to do those covers to sort of have those variant horror poster covers. Yeah, and honestly, as far as like uh, you know, like comics, graphic novels, uh, I love the different you know the different re-releases of covers. You know, because for anybody who's a collector, you know, that's always fun to have like all these different you know versions of of your different issues like i i probably have like three or like no it has to be like maybe two or three different covers for the first issue of the walking dead right and right yeah that I, I think the, and only one of them i think came from like going to a wizard world one year <laughs> just, <laughs> i just showed yeah. up and it was like hey free comic uh, oh i have this already I have like right two of these. right and, and i know for some for some of the shops depending on the publisher you know, there's there's a whole different levels of controversy, I suppose, for you know, certain covers you can only get if you order 500 issues, and so that means for some comic shops they could never get that variant, that sort of thing. Yeah. For ours, we we just for any shop that wanted to order any one of the covers, we didn't have any special criteria. But but in that same vein, completely different genre. Uh, you, you may have seen at the table. I also write Grumpy Cat. Um, I the, saw that um, too, yeah. Um, which is obviously a very different target audience. But I, I had done, um, a few years back, had written a comic series called Splitsville, uh, which was about a superhero with a split personality, and it, his nemesis was the split personality. 
he didn't know that, but the sidekicks for both sides did know it and played them off of himself, essentially. So the sidekicks were in cahoots, the good guy and bad guy sidekicks. Oh, wow. And, but it was a, it was a, obviously a comedy-type series, and so um, the, uh, the publisher had, had read that and reached out to me about doing some comedy stuff for Great Div- um, uh, Grumpy Cat. But the reason I bring that up is that is a series that has, I don't know, 40 covers for each one that comes oh, wow. out. And I tell I mean, anywhere in the country and will have you know someone come up to me with a cover that I've absolutely never seen before. Yeah. And sometimes they're kind of, because they're, they're specially for shops, right? They'll make them of course, this yeah. is just for one shop in Seattle, and they, they're just making 100 of them, and that's it. Um, so I, I suspect I will never see all of the covers to Grumpy Cat. I'll be surprised for years when people bring stuff up. And I kind of wonder how many of those, like, hardcore Grumpy, Grumpy Cat enthusiasts are clamoring to get their hands on every single you, like, I, one. I have more than once when I, I've pretty much now uh, just have the collections in like hardcover, softcover when I'm at cons. But yeah. back when I was, when, when of course I get the comp copies of the, of the single issues. And so I had a, and you get a comp copy for the most part of every cover. So I would just have these boxes of, <laughs> you know, just like plus number. But it, I, I probably shouldn't have been surprised, but I was at least at first how many folks would come by and say, I want one of everything. I want every cover here. And so you know, you just start bundling it all up. Um, but, but yeah, there's there's definitely if, if if that's your thing, if Frumpy Cat's your jam, I guess uh, every you want every. Oh yeah, and I, I personally am not a big Grumpy Cat fan, but I'll tell you this, <laughs> I do feel like that a lot of mornings. You know, <laughs> you wake up, there's not really a whole lot you can do with yourself. Uh, you feel a little uh, kind of broken down from the night before. And you just need that first cup of coffee to kind of take the edge off. Well, you know, it's 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 funny. Um, the, the so he's relatable. It is when I most of what I write is um, not necessarily horror, although it often is. But yeah. it's not horror; it's it's dark sci-fi. I always put I always put a little bit of humor in there, but um, it, it it leans that way. And so there was it was kind of fun to just occasionally take a breath. You know, get get a second cup of coffee and work on a script that had nothing to do with people dying when they touch each other or whatever other thing I was working on. It was just a you know a cat making dumb jokes. But yeah. they they let me get away. They uh, I uh, I did a Halloween issue called I know what you did last summer. I just don't care. That was just sort of a horror thing rip off. Yeah. Um, I I threw in Necronomicon references and they let me get away with it. So oh, I, wow. I I still I still kept a little bit of my DNA even in the uh, even in Grumpy Cat. <laughs> Oh, so now um, I didn't want to go too far into it, uh, just just because I'm not really 100% sure whether or not our fans were going to be 100% into it or not. But I thought it kind of was, you know, I thought it was pretty great because it kind of reminds me of something different. Splitsville. Yeah. Is that anything like The Tick where it's kind of a weird, like a parody of a superhero or... Yes, yeah, that's the yeah the one I was talking about before with the split personality character. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's not it's not really parody insofar as it's not really making fun of superhero tropes all that much. Yeah, it's really more just a fun romp through pop culture. Um, the the it's essentially set up where the quote unquote good guy who's sort of Superman type is just a blow. And the, the villain, when he's a split person villain, 
that guy is very concerned about being environmentally friendly when oh, he God. tries to take over the planet. So, he, <laughs> so you know, his, his evil drill drones have, you know, seat warmers so that way his minions can feel comfortable and that sort of thing. So it, I, you know, I sort of play with, you know, the, the bad guys really more relatable than the good guy sort of a thing. And, and it's really the sidekicks who are kind of jerks out of the whole mess. So he's kind of, um, so he's kind of a softer version of Legion in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, um, exactly. Um, it's uh, and he's uh, and of course hijinks ensue. Essentially, the, the that that first arc is he uh, I, I, he's superhero resistance, and when the first arc starts, a second superhero shows up, and he agrees to team up with this new super to take down his nemesis without realizing, of course, that is the nemesis. So the sidekicks then get into a frenzy trying to figure out how to resolve a situation where. He's he's now teamed up with someone tracking himself down. It's about superheroes, but it's not really a takedown of the Justice League or Avengers or anything like that. Oh, of course, it's really, it's really more making fun of just uh, um, just a lot of different pop culture in general. Nice, and I think uh, I think probably the most interesting of all your works. Now, me being a hardcore fan of like classic horror, and of course, ah, yeah. um, kind of how how we had talked about. Uh, you know, we had talked about the Great Divide and, you know, the variant covers and everything that go with that, uh, that kind of also do their own, you know, deep dive, I guess, of different, like, horror, uh, you know, like, horror titles. Uh, you actually written, or you've you've written an anthology series for Chud. For Chud, I was involved in writing uh, a full anthology for, I think it was the 25th anniversary of Chud, which I assume anyone listening to this will be intimately familiar with Chud. Yeah. Uh, certainly one of my favorites growing up. Oh, uh, mine too, yeah. One of, definitely one of those movies that watching now, I, th I think part of the fact that it's endured as long as it has, number one, the practical effects are still pretty fun, period. Yeah. But I think even beyond that, it's one of those movies that the script is way better than than anyone might have suspected going yeah. into it, right? It was it really was a script that was trying to to sort of rise above just a, a creature feature, um, and it, I think it holds up a little bit better maybe than a lot of the others for that. Yeah, because I know I've um, tried to go back and watch other ones, you know, similar like Ghoulies. And right, Ghoulies yeah. has its fun stuff in it, or. Um, or even like the you know the prodigy, right? Or the progeny, sorry. And uh, those still they're just kind of like they they got the dated feel. But at least Chud, uh, you know, a lot like um, others, you know, like uh, Night of the Creeps and um, other like classic like horror comedies, have this, you know, it has this ability and this really silly charm that kind of pulls you in. Yeah, it really does. And not to take away from Google certainly love but you're exactly right i mean it, it's yeah. it's a different it's a different type of script it's a script that's that's really is kind of taking itself seriously in places and, and elevating it as a result but i've been a fan forever so when they approached of course i jumped at it immediately um and uh, with immediately the conversation for the, the folks involved were who got to take which characters and where in the movie did it fall into place, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, so the anthology is, you know, skirts all around. You've got stories that are prequels. Mine is, in fact, a direct prequel leading up to the movie uh, I wrote in there. Um, but there's some that sort of take place 
uh, tangentially to the movie. You've got some that are sort of sequels and, you know, all, of course, were uh, approved by the, um, the creators. So it's, uh, it's kind of a – it lets it just builds out the world and mythology of Chud. Um, and and it's, a, it's a pretty broad spectrum of types of stories. You've got some that are certainly um, more just going for a comedic bend. You've got some that are just direct scary horror. You've got stuff that's in between. Um, so it's uh, it, it was a ton of fun to work on. Uh, and uh, the, I think I may have told you that the one rule was we were not allowed to discuss uh, Chud 2, Bud the Chud. We have yeah, to that movie did not exist. Probably <laughs> for the best. Which, which is funny that you know that that's even a thing. Just because like there are a lot of like, I mean, me personally, I liked both of them, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those guys that's really into that, that was really into like you know part two of something. You know, like yeah, Friday, like Friday the Thirteenth to Texas Chainsaw Massacre to Hellraiser to you know stuff like that, and yeah. And Chud 2 was de definitely no different for me, but of course, I mean, m probably like yourself, we were children when this came out. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, there's always a special place in my heart for the the, the trying badly and, and and missing the mark sequels. Yeah. Um, I kind of love. Not that all the examples you just gave fell into that category. And Not really. No. Part two was fantastic, right? I mean, Hellraiser two was pretty fun. Um, the uh, so yeah, I mean they obviously there's plenty of sequels that, that do really well, but you ever for every every Friday the Thirteenth Part Two you get a Pumpkinhead Part Two right, and you just uh, oh yeah, and those are and those are fun. Like I love them. I've seen Pumpkinhead Two and Three multiple times, but uh, but they're they're just bad misses. You know, they are yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, now as far as your writing goes, what kind of goes in like what kind of influences go into your um you know, to your writing. I mean, obviously you're a big fan of horror. Um, was there any kind of uh, novel or comic that you read or even um, horror movie that you'd seen where the script writing or the, or the actual novelization was just really, really, you know, on point with you? Yeah. Um, it, I think that from a plotting perspective, um, I mean, there's a, there's a, a million different, uh, authors and everyone else who sort of gets dumped into that pot and it, the, whatever spew comes out is this is my spew. Um, but the uh, but I read a ton of King growing up, so tropes and genres that he likes to play with, I'm sure there's a lot of that influence. Um, certainly a lot of, um, from watching John Carpenter films uh, oh, feeds yeah. into there. Um, particularly uh, anyone who um, a lot of Whedon, honestly, there's there's you know, his now you know fairly famous quote about you know, make it grim, make it dark, you know, kill everybody you want, but then for God's sake, tell a joke, that sort of thing. I, yeah, <laughs> that, that that mentality I think is is pretty strong. And anything of mine that you read, that's that I very much take to heart. I just uh, when after if it's just four straight chapters of grim and misery, it, it even starts to depress myself. I gotta you gotta lighten the mood in there somewhere. So yeah, very I tend true. To do that a lot. Uh, I tend to focus very heavily on dialogue. Um, so in that sense, a lot of my even come from horror or science fiction. I mean, obviously, you know, Buffy has a lot of that; those kind of quips. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's also a lot of watching The Wire and watching just you know, just just amazing dialogue type shows. And that I, I'm very much in the 
the, the kind of writer who, after seeing, listens to it and notes until it sounds true when, when the mirror is saying it back to me. I just I, I tend to obsess about that kind of thing, and um, but I, and I and I said that that's I think that's a different type of DNA. That's a different. I'm, I'm motivated differently for that than I am for say plotting, which I think is more traditional Carpenter King that sort of thing. Yeah, most definitely. And finally, where can we find you on social media? So Twitter is probably the best way to find me, um, which is just Benjamin P. As in Paul Fisher, Benjamin P. Fisher, on Twitter. Uh, I don't really use Facebook, Instagram, that kind of thing anymore. I, I have accounts, but I'm not very active on there. Uh, my website is just uh, benfisherwriter.com. You can find pretty much all of my stuff on there, including a lot of signed stuff um, that you can order order through there. And again, I'm Amazon and that sort of thing. You can always find my work on there too. Oh, very nice. And it was it's been a pleasure having you on our show today, Ben. And fans out there, uh, yeah, definitely check his stuff out. He um, the web store is very, very loaded with him, or with things, and a lot of it actually is on sale right now. So um, this might be a good time if you want to, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of just take a dip into the water. You know, just check out some of the stuff. And I would, uh, I would definitely uh, recommend the Great Divide over anything um, that you have on your site right now. Even though I seriously want to check out that Chud. Chud is um, great. And the second series of Great Divide is starting up pretty soon. Um, so that one will be moving forward. And it, one other thing I, I throw out there, I didn't think about it until just now, but the core folks might be interested. I um, also record music under the name Tesla Death Ray Survivors Anonymous. Yes, and that um, could be found on SoundCloud. And I can. I actually checked that out this weekend. <laughs> yeah, there's there's that's and the, on all the sort of traditional sites, iTunes, Amazon, whatever. But um it's kind of a broad range of subject matter, but there's a number of horror things on there. I do it's all very comedy based. Um yeah. but I do one Camp Relay is about a summer camp for Lovecraft. Um, Werebot is about a werewolf, but it's a robot. Um, yeah. <laughs> silly things like that, but it's a uh, it's kind of filled up with that kind of stuff. So, it, it, um, the there's a there's a song on there about a doomsday prepper who's out on his first date. Oh, trying to Just trying to keep things in check. That sort of a thing. Nice. Now, now, do you guys play locally? No, I. Not, oh. Well, I mean. I, the, uh, I came out to Portland. I record all the instruments and the vocals and everything. Um, but the ultimately, we'll be putting a band together to sort of do some local Portland shows. But I've just started that process, so in a few months, we'll probably be doing some shows out. And and to be honest, if you, if if you get something together and you start doing like shows in the Midwest, um, you know, like South and um, even over in the East Coast you have the possible possible chance of playing live with uh, Ari Lehman's band first Jason. <laughs> and, oh. that would, and that would be awesome. That would be <laughs> Having... I mean, yeah, two, two nerd bands rocking it out. is the yes. uh, best kind of show. I hear you. Oh my. All right. So, and you can find all that stuff on his website, benfisherwriter.com. And Ben, once again, thank you for being on. This has been Rotten Corpse Radio.